Okay, Power Rangers, let's do it! Go, go, Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 24 of the Jetman with the Golden Gun, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Chojin Sentai Jetman. Every week we watch an episode of the show, we share our thoughts with you, the listener. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you doing this beautiful day? Dude, uh, super well. Super well. It's Saturday. I'm very relaxed. Uh, I'm doing my best to be relaxed, that is. I have a show opening uh, in like five days. <laughs> okay. And so, yeah, like my whole life is like a constant sort of like low-grade uh, panic. Okay, I can but dig that's it. Just, that's just that theater life, Matt. That's how that works. Just living that hashtag theater life. Hashtag theater life. Yeah, uh, other than that, I'm great, man. It's crazy, beautiful out. Oh, dude. It's like it is, 60 degrees. It's like 65 and sunny and in the middle of February and we are inside doing this. Dude, I kept waiting. I kept waiting for like the the winter hammer to drop, and we got like a little bit. But um, this, I think, is definitely. I feel weird because I feel like we always talk about the weather, uh, but it's so crazy. Dude, that's what people tune in for. They'll tune in for weather, bus updates, and then if they're not satisfied, they're, they, <laughs> they continue to listen. They stick around for Super Sentai. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, I'm doing real well. Okay, Dave. So today we are watching episode 24. It is called Launch Super Robot. Ooh, I think I know what that means. But before we get into that, Dave, we need to get through this. Dave, in our officially award winning opening segment, Dave, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. What is our first star of the week? Okay, so our first star of the week, uh, you probably should have seen this coming, uh, is Deadpool. It was so good. It was. It was not. It was okay. Like it. <laughs> okay. How, how to best talk about this movie? Because it was great. Okay. So first of all, I'm like I'm gonna do my super best to not say any swears because that's not we keep it clean here in the Super Sentai Brothers when I'm talking about Deadpool. That might not be possible. Producer Mark's gonna protect you guys. Uh, but okay. So first of all, Deadpool was amazing. It was so good. It was so good that it really gives me hope for like the Fox Marvel movies kind of moving forward from this, if that makes sense. Because like, listen, man, when X-Men and Spider-Man came out, I was like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. And then like X-Men 2 came out, I was like, nah, it's still, it's the X-Men though, you guys. And then X-Men 3 came out and I was like, well, you know, it was a beautiful dream. Right. I guess I guess that was good for two movies. Well, one and, and a half. Yeah. Like, then, the first X-Men movie, I liked at the time, but does not really hold up. X-Men 2 does. X-Men 2 was a good movie. Yeah, yeah, legitimately a really good movie. And then, like, you know, the Wolverine or Wolverine movies, like, had some bright spots. The you know second what I mean? one did. Like, I love Hugh Jackman. But they had bright Like, they were great movies, but they had bright spots. But, uh, and then I was like, man, this is just, yeah, I don't know. Like, they should just stop. Like, just stop, guys. Give those rights back to Marvel Disney. They make amazing movies. Like, it'll just be better for everybody. But Deadpool was really friggin' good. And it was a, it okay. was good in a way that I think only a Deadpool movie could be. Like, that wouldn't... 
that wasn't a good X-Men movie starring Deadpool. Oh, yeah, no, definitely not. Like, that was a Deadpool movie. De- sorry, Deadpool, if you're not familiar... Dave, everyone like... is familiar with Deadpool. Okay, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> like, uh, so... sometimes we have to explain who characters are, but I think the only people who listen to our program who do not know who Deadpool is, is our parents. I was thinking about mom when I was about to say this, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but anyways, as far as the, the movie itself goes, the action I thought was great. It was super fun. It was really stylized, which I like. I love any time when there's like an action movie where the person who's doing the stuff isn't just doing, I guess the easiest way to say it is standardized action movie stuff. Like when you see a character like Deadpool, it's like, oh, that's very definitely... Deadpool and not you know like whatever else right like the stuff he is doing is unique to that character and how that character like would act yeah very well said so I thought that was super cool it was everybody else in the movie was great oh dude uh Colossus and Negasonic Teenage Warhead Okay, listen, I'm not going to... I love Colossus and everything. Colossus is probably like in my top five favorite comic book characters ever. And this was an awesome depiction of Colossus. Oh, it was like, beautiful. It was so great. It was like just I, slightly ramped up. Yeah, I see what you're saying about him being... It was like slightly exaggerated. Like the traits that I think of as Colossus, like he's an older brother, he's very heroic, All of, you know, he's kind of like a real stand-up dude. They exaggerated a little bit, but I think it played really well oh, off of Deadpool. Yeah. Like who's such an extreme character anyways. Uh, and I also loved Grumpy Teen. Like, I always love Grumpy Teen Girl superheroes. Yes! They're great! Um, I like, really did hope... they radically change Negasonic Teenage Warhead from the comic books? Yes, but, like, she appeared in, what, like, four panels of one issue ten years ago? Yeah, like, I don't she's not think... a big character, and and she's frankly, like, really kind of bo- No, she's around a little bit more than that, but she's super boring. Like, she's real, like, she's, she's like... I don't know. She has, like, prescient dreams and, like, telepathy or something. Which is like, fine. But, like, yeah, the like, version whatever, that was cool. in the movie, I want to show up in the comic books and be Wolverine's sidekick. And I know that, like, Logan Wolverine is dead right now. Um, yeah, whatever. But, I don't know. She can, like, be the sidekick of the current Wolverine. Like, X-23 is kicking around. I hear that book is right. really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Negazon Teenage Warhead was great. Uh, Angel Dust. Okay. I don't know why they didn't. Like, there's plenty of characters that she could have just been from the comics uh, instead of just kind of stitching together a character sort of out of whole cloth. Yeah, But I, I love the character. Yeah, I, thought she was I honestly fun. spent most of the movie thinking that she was either, like, Arclight or Frenzy. Well, I see where you're going with that. I just, I happened to catch her name, like, really early on, but they don't mention it very frequently. So, yeah, it would have made a lot more sense if she was one of those two characters, but she wasn't. But she looked super cool. I actually had to, I looked it up because I didn't know who that actress was. It turns out she's, um, she's like an MMA fighter. Yeah, I, that is literally all right. I know about her. Yeah, that's all I know. I, like, I was like, who is this person? And it's just like, oh, this is who she is. I was like, oh, that's cool. Uh, but I thought she was super fun. Uh, the fight between her and Colossus was rad. Oh, I always like big, strong people fights. Like, you know, the, the action was great. The humor was fun. Like, the love story was, like, a real, like, sort of breathing part of the movie and not just, like, a tacked-on yeah, thing. Yeah, like a genuinely kind of touching thing from Deadpool, which I thought was great. It was a very sweet movie. And, like, listen, I, 
I am not a guy who has maybe for the last ten years really cared about Deadpool. Um, yeah. and like I, I feel like this has gotten me back, and I kind of hate to admit it, but like I, uh, I a tiny bit, but like whatever. It was a great movie. Uh, oh, oh, also, by the way, um, I know that our show we keep it clean, and we talk about a children's show that is clean. Um, so if you are not an adult. Uh, and if you are an adult who has children, like, don't bring kids to this movie. Like, this is rated R for a reason. Oh. Actually, sorry, this is rated oh, R yeah. for all of the reasons. Like, every reason yeah. that a movie could be rated R, this one is rated R for those reasons. Yeah, it's a hard R. Like, do not, like, yeah, it's definitely rated R. Uh, I think one of the other best things about this movie is how into the movie Ryan Reynolds is. Oh, you can tell he is like he's thrilled so- to finally be doing Deadpool properly. Right, like, he's just having so much fun. I've seen some, like, interview stuff with him. <laughs> and, like, I don't want to cover a lot of ground, because, like, that media is out there. But there was one kind of beautiful moment that I did see where someone was interviewing him, and they're like, so did you keep the suit? Like, the Deadpool suit. He's like, yeah, I kept the suit. Of course I kept the suit. Uh, and they were like, how did the studio feel about that? Because, you know, like, it's kind of a thing that you're not supposed to take props and stuff from movies. And he said, he's like, I was walking off state or like was walking off set the last day of filming. And the costumer was like, hey, shouldn't you like be headed back to your wardrobe to like put the suit away? And he was like, you just try and take this suit away from me. Like, I'm just taking it. Like, I'm taking it. You can't stop me. I'm Ryan Reynolds and I'm taking this suit. (laughs) And listen, he was in a superhero movie before we got a suit, but that suit was all CGI. So there was nothing to steal. (laughs) He finally got a shot. You can't walk right, away with right. that Green Lantern costume. It doesn't exist. Uh, yeah, so Deadpool was great. I am actually, Matt, I just want to say, I am sacrificing seeing Deadpool a second time with some other friends to be here recording uh, this fine program. So, But you all should go see Deadpool. It was super great. So uh, what, Matt, is our second star of the week? Okay, second star of the week is a movie that neither of us have seen yet because it's not out, but we saw the preview but. when we went to go see Deadpool Dude, that trailer for Hardcore Henry looks amazing. Oh, yeah. You told, well, I went and watched it in preparation for this segment, but it does also look super amazing. Okay, so here is, so, he, my first exposure to this movie was, there was something that came up in my Twitter feed that was an advertisement for it. They said, like, hey, if you like Deadpool, you'll love Hardcore Henry. And I then blocked that uh, Twitter handle because... There is nothing more delightful to me than blocking advertisers on Twitter. It It is a balm to my soul, and I love it every single time. Yeah, blocking people is the best. So I had completely written it off because I had experienced it in a dumb tweet. But then I mm-hmm. saw this trailer, and it is just like first-person shooter the movie. <laughs> yeah, I saw apparently a big, big parts of it were shot with like a GoPro. Because I or think like literally like the, the whole cinema movie, version of a GoPro or something. I think literally the whole movie is like a point of view shot from the main character, who Hardcore Henry, Hardcore Henry, who cannot talk uh, because like his robo throat has not been installed properly, which is awesome. Uh, and he needs to go fight an army of like vaguely Russian guys with guns uh, to save his wife, and it's just like. Just go. Watch it was this. also like a super scientist. Yeah, like it just feels like a first-person shooter from like the '90s. It looks amazing. Yeah. Um, also in it, like Tim Roth is in it. Oh yeah. 
Uh, actually, dude, I love Tim Roth. Have you seen? Uh, have you seen or heard? Of, I don't. You probably haven't seen it. But have you heard about his most recent movie? Uh, which one? Uh, United Passions. Oh, oh, I have heard about United Passions. Yeah. Dave. Oh, sorry. It's not actually his most recent movie because he was in that Hateful Eight, which I didn't get around to seeing, which bums me out. Dude, there's so many movies I want to see that I haven't seen. Uh, if you haven't heard about it, United Passions is it's a movie about FIFA. Uh, which the FIFA, the International Soccer Organization, and it follows like the three most recent presidents of FIFA. It was ninety percent funded by FIFA, and like, and it was supposed to. I think the idea of FIFA, which like, if you don't follow soccer at all, which I kind of don't, but I love the World Cup just because I love like any sort of international competition. Uh, FIFA is like legendarily corrupt, like laughably corrupt. And the thing is, like, right. they funded like, this movie. Like, bad supervillain like, corrupt. this was not, like, a small movie. You have, you made. No, they spent a bunch of like, money Like, you on. probably haven't heard of it unless you heard about, like, how spectacularly it flopped. But, like, I, I think it cost, like, I don't know, like, tens of millions of dollars to make. And it made, like, $1,500 on its opening weekend in America. Uh, 918. I looked it up because okay, I wanted thank to you. talk about this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so it did Tim not Roth, break four figures. <laughs> so Tim Roth plays Seth Blatter, who's the current president of FIFA. Uh, and this movie is being panned as like just one of the worst movies of all time. And Tim Roth recently did an AMA, which I like checked out because like, he's a fantastic actor. I really like him. And uh, somebody asked him, they're like, why were you in this movie? Like, it's so bad. Uh, and his answer was like, I got two kids in college, guys. Like, I got to work. Right. Uh, and he was just like, he, there was no bones about it. He was just like, yeah, they just offered to pay me a bunch of money. Uh, and I need that money. I got kids in college. So I did this stupid movie. It's awful. You shouldn't go see it or something. Like, he was real down on it. Um, yeah, so United Passions, you can... Like, I just love the, like, at first I thought that it was just a movie that somebody had did and it was, like, turned out to be bad. The fact that it was 90% funded by FIFA makes it all the better. Oh, it's it's a glorious story. Uh, and we <laughs> say all that to say that the trailer for Hardcore Henry looks great. Yeah, it lo- it does look super great. It's got a Queen song in it. Who doesn't love that? Dave, what is our third star of the week? Okay, so taking a hard shift away from action movies, uh, before I did just doing this map, I, well, right before this, I was playing Assassin's Creed Syndicate. I found the garbage. You know how they're like 85% gold and 15% garbage? Yeah. I found the garbage. You have to do like races. It's stupid. But it's not 15%. It's like, it's like 4%. So they're getting better, right? Okay. That's, that, but anyway. it's good to hear they're making progress. Right. Over the course of 10 years, they've managed to get it down. Uh, but anyways, before that, I went and had dinner dinner, breakfast, at a Cleveland icon, maybe you could say, uh, Big Al's Diner. Oh. Yeah. Okay, so first of all, that is what it's called. Like, that's not like a joke name. The dude's name is Al. He is a big dude. It is Big Al's Diner. Uh, and it, it, like, it's a little hole, as all good diners are. It's like a dumpy little hole in the wall with, like, old booths and just like folding tables like you know like laminate top folding tables uh you just kind of find a seat where you can and it's the best corned beef hash i've ever eaten dude like i've eaten there before this isn't like a revelation for me i just love it and i wanted to talk about it dude you know i love diner food there was 
I'm going to call it a year and a half where every day for lunch, I went to the same diner uh, and got the breakfast special, which was uh, two eggs, two pieces of bacon or sausage, two pieces of toast, and uh, sort of hash brownie home fry things for uh, well, that was uh... for $3. Right. Breakfast food is the best. Well, that was kind of part of your Man About Town project, right? Yeah. They, okay, listeners, the Man About Town project was there was a period of time that I was living and working and socializing all sort of in the same neighborhood. And so I sort of made it a point to just sort of be out and about as much as possible to just sort of be one of those guys who when you saw them, you'd be like, oh, I know that guy from just, you know, around. Dude, your this project is paying off. I got free. I got free drinks out of the Man About Town project. Did I tell you about this? Um, I, yes, you I, did briefly. But go ahead. I okay. Sorry, I was out. I'll get back to Big L's in a second. But I was out to dinner, like for Valentine's Day. My wife and I went out to dinner, so we go to the restaurant and we had made a reservation. Like it turns out, we didn't need it because like it wasn't super full, but we went, we had one. So we go in, and the uh, the bartender seated us, and she says, "You know, can I help you?" And I was like, "Oh, uh, you know, my name's Dave J." And she's like, "Wait a minute, are you Matt J's brother?" And I was like, "Yeah, I am." She's like, "Wow, because you guys sound really, really similar." Uh, and I was like, "Yeah, that's my brother." And she's like, oh, cool. Like, we're friends. Like, I know him from, like, X and Y and Z. It's like, oh, cool. That's really, you know, it's great. So we had dinner. Technically, and I, you know, we know each other from A and B and C, but. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the name of the bar is the ABC. Uh, so anyways, so uh, I get my bar, or I get my bill, and, uh, and my beer was mysteriously not on the bill. And she was like, hey, I got the beer for you, because, like, I know your brother and we're pals. And I was like, Awesome. So uh, thank you for, for your efforts on my behalf. So anyways. I'm glad uh, it's working out. It, I put a lot of effort into that project. <laughs> I'm glad someone's seen some return on it. Um, so I went to Big Al's, and it's just like I don't have a lot to say about it. It's just really excellent corned beef hash, which is maybe my favorite breakfast food. Corned beef hash is amazing. But if you don't have much yeah. to say about this, we can talk about something else that is food related for our fourth star. Yeah, go for it. So what's our fourth star? Anyways, if you live in Cleveland or anywhere in the area, uh, make, make some time. Get up to Big Al's Diner. Uh, it's, it's worth the trip. So uh, it's recommended by Michael Simon. Ah. Yeah. Iron Chef so, uh, Cleveland. <laughs> or I, don't, I forget what his Iron Chef specialty is. but I don't know. But if it's not Cleveland, it ought to be. Uh, so Matt, what is our fourth star of the week? Fourth star of the week, Dave, is a television program that I have been watching a lot of this week. And it is Anthony Bourdain's Layover. Dude, I love Anthony Bourdain. I do too. And like, not in like a weird way. Maybe in a weird way. <laughs> Like, okay, here, here's the great thing about Anthony Bourdain TV shows. Like, he's been doing them for a long time, and, like, he's got his shtick. Like, when he is on the Food Network, he does a travel show. When he's on the Travel Network, he does a food show. Like, it's all kind of the same show. It's all that he does travel food shows. Like, that's his thing. Right, but, like, I feel as though, like, now that they've gotten to the layover, he's kind of, like, he's really just doing it for himself. Like, he has found a way to, like, (laughs) con the travel channel into paying for him to do this thing because it's really obvious that he has no respect for, like, the basic premise of the show. Because the premise of the layover is, like, he flies into a city and he has usually either, like, 24 or 48 hours, somewhere in there, in this city, and he has just sort of, like, has to fill that time doing stuff. Right. And on a regular travel show... 
they would say like, oh, you're in Paris. Like, these are the museums that you should see. These are the landmarks. Like, you know, if you're only in Paris for 32 hours and you want to have like, seen the city, do this. here are the things. But, like, he doesn't do that. He's like, okay, yeah, like, you see there's, like, below me, there's a graphic with, like, a clock counting down that is made to make you believe that what I am doing is in some way significant. It's not. Like, we're passing by this place. It's a great landmark. We're not going to go inside. I'm going to go back to my hotel and get a drink at the bar. Like, I feel like this show is, like, it only exists for Anthony Bourdain to, like, hang out with his international friends and day drink. Dude, I just love Anthony Bourdain. Like, that's pretty much all of his shows are just, like, hanging with his international friends and day drinking. But um, I have, like, a fairly short list of people that kind of whatever they do, like, I'll see it, watch it, read it, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, and Anthony Bourdain is on that list. Like, I own all his books. I've read them a couple of times because, like, they're just delights to read. Any show that he does, I watch. Uh, I'm just, like, a really big fan. And I'm sure I'm not alone in this. But, like, I feel like we're friends. Does that make sense? No, it does. And it's one of those things that I... Which is, I think, why he's so popular. Because, like, everybody feels that way. But, like, I feel like I'm friends with Anthony Bourdain. Right, because when you watch his show, he's not doing, like, you know, travel-y stuff. All he's... All that you see on his TV shows is him in the context of hanging out with his friends. And so, like, your experience with him is the mode that he is in when he is with his friends. And so he feels like a friend. Yeah, it's great. A couple years ago, you probably remember this, you got me tickets. We went together to go see his, like, live speaking tour. Yeah. Uh, It was awesome. It was super great. Like, I don't know if he still does it, but if he does, you should go. I just, I really like Anthony Bourdain. Um, And the other thing I dig about him... And this, again, like, this is his whole appeal, is that he's so kind of, like, everyman. Okay, Uh, he is. (laughs) He is. But he is everyman. Like, you know how Spider-Man is an everyman, but also, like, he, like, can walk on walls and throw cars at people? Like, those aren't the only two things that he does, and he doesn't do those primarily. But you know what I mean. Like, Anthony Bourdain, like, you see him, like, oh, like, this is the travel show everyman. And then there'll be an episode where he goes to a restaurant, and it's like the hardest place to get into in town and the chef owner is at the table with him and they have closed down the restaurant for the night just so that the two of them can eat this great meal. Like, like he is kind of an everyman, but like the stuff that he does on his show, it's not even like, oh, here's the travel recommendations. Like, no, you cannot do this thing. Like, I'm going to do this thing because I know this guy. Okay, that's true. And I think here's where his everymanness comes in, though, is that uh, he is continually amazed that he is managing to do these things. And I think that's what's endearing. He's like, because he says in this, on his shows and books, he's like, I'm not sure how I ended up here, that like I'm having dinner with like this person, uh, but it's incredible. Like, I know that you guys can't do this, but, like, let me just tell you, like, I'm kind of gobsmacked, and it's amazing. And that's what I think is so great. Like, he doesn't seem to take it for granted, which I appreciate. Yeah, but anyway, the, yeah, The Layover is a great show. It's on Netflix. Check it out. Yeah, you should watch it. Uh, Dave, what is our fifth and final Star of the Week? Okay, listen, man. Uh, I'm going to be an old man for a minute. I know we've talked about this in the past. Uh, but I just, I got to talk about it again. 90s fashion. Uh, it's back. It's back in a hard way. 
I said, this is not a joke, Matt. This is, I know we tell jokes on this show. Maybe we might be guilty periodically of like slightly exaggerating things for the sake of humor, but I want you to be assured that everything I'm saying is like the hand on the Bible truth. I saw a kid walking down the hallway the other day. This is a dude. This is a dude uh, with like one side of his head shaved and like long kind of like combed over his eyes, like blonde hair and a full on like not joking around, not ironic Cosby sweater. Like a big, chunky, like knit sweater with like crazy stripes on it and like different accoutrement. Like it was just, it was a Cosby sweater and not like an early Cosby sweater. Do you follow me? Not like, you know, this is like a late stage Poke Evolved Cosby sweater. This is the Charizard of Cosby sweaters. Yeah. um, Let's see. I have a kid in my class who just who just wears, like, Doc Martens and, like, it's a girl, like, Doc Martens and black jeans and, like, not quite a belly shirt, but, like, a little bit, you know what I mean? And a black plastic choker and, like, dark red slash black lipstick. And, and like, a flannel tied around her, like, a red flannel shirt tied around her waist. Like, that's just what she wears. Dude, the 90s... Not, like, every day. 90s are back, and it's not just 90s fashion that's back, dude. We are staring down the barrel of new episodes of Full House. Yeah, it's an it's a full-on 90s apocalypse up in here, man. Like, it's coming. Uh, I had, Are you ready for the '90s world that is coming? I had uh, I have a it's one of my classes. It's a very small. It's a small class because it's like an advanced theater class. It's only ten kids in it. And the other day, uh, of those ten kids, four of them were wearing Doc Martens. Forty percent of my class was wearing Doc Martens. Matt, it's 2016. Uh, I just like. <laughs> like if I don't even have jokes about that, if that's just not inherently hilarious to you, I don't know what to say. Okay, dude, uh, <laughs> here was a here was a '90s thing that I saw the other day. It was a advertisement for Whole Foods for their like Friday like lunchtime fish fry, right? Yeah, sure. But here is yeah, what it said: lunch, it said getting fishy with it. Now I want to be very clear about something. Uh, <laughs> it didn't say getting fishy with it. It said getting, but there was still an apostrophe after the G, as though it were replacing the G to say getting, but it wasn't. Okay. Uh, it said with instead of wit. Uh, it was a question, and it is like 2000, is the year of our Lord 2016, nearly <laughs> 20 years after getting jiggy when it came out. And I looked at it and I was like, listen, Whole Foods, this is coming from me, and I don't know a way that I personally could be whiter, but you are way too white in this moment. <laughs> Like, first of all, you are Whole Foods, and second of all, you are making a almost 20-year-old, like, completely flubbed, getting jiggy with it joke. Oh, man. Oh. Uh. <laughs> and, I, and again, I say this as, like, a super that... white dude with an unironic love of getting jiggy with it. Uh, <laughs> this is, um, listen, man, there's not even, again, there's not jokes for that. Like, if that, that is its own joke. All right, are, are, All right, are we ready man. to do this thing? Yeah, let's let's watch some Super Sentai, bro. Okay, or some Super Sentai. Let's do the thing that we do. Okay, it's episode twenty-four. The Super Robo is about to launch. Let's do it. Okay, welcome back. So we have just finished watching episode twenty-four, launch Super Robo. Dave, why don't you give us a little bit of a recap and we'll hop right in. Sure. Uh, okay, so in this episode, we see the climactic fight between the Jetmen and Semimaru, the Devil of Destruction. We do get a new Super Robo, and uh, 
our heroes win. I knew that, you know, I know you were on Tetrahooks wondering if they won. They do, but not without sacrifice. Not without sacrifice. We'll see how that happens in a minute. So, uh, let's let's talk about let's talk about Super Sentai map. Wait, actually, Matt, before we get started, there's something I want to there's something I like just thought of that I want to talk about for like a hot second. All right. It's the birds. It's the birds that all of the, the Jetmen have assigned to them. Okay, uh, what about them? Okay, so Kauri is white swan. That makes sense. Kauri, she's very elegant. Uh, she's a swan. Akko is the blue sparrow. She's young. She does gymnastics. That's cool. Ryu, red hawk, hawk, leader. Like, that's all fine. Raita, who has, like, super strength and is, like, a farmer, is, like, the yellow owl. Owls don't, they're not like big strong birds. And like, Raita is not like a particularly wise character. Uh, I feel like he should be the condor. It's like a big old bird. They're like big strong birds. And Guy, who is like super slick and awesome, is a condor, which is like a big kind of ungainly carrion bird. Okay, uh, well, um, I can actually speak to this. First of all, I think wow, part of it okay. is that um, like an owl is... It's not the sleekest of birds. It's, you know, like sort of roundish. And Raita okay. is the, the roundest of them. But these birds are all a direct nod to an old 70s anime called Gachaman. Okay. I knew that there was like a tie back to Gachaman, but I did not know that I, it was like these specific birds. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, I went back and watched the very first episode of Gotcha Man. And Gotcha Man is one of those franchises that if you haven't watched, like if you're not really aware of it, like it it has been sort of produced off and on kind of since the 70s, I think. Oh, like, no way. There, okay. is, there is still new Gotcha Man stuff being made. There's a live action movie came out a couple of years ago wow, uh, that seriously? I think actually okay. starred the um, the guy who played Shinken Red and Shinkenger. As the main character. Oh, right on. That's awesome. Um, somebody somebody was telling me about this movie and that we should watch it for the show. I can't remember. It was one of our listeners. Listener, I'm sorry um, that I cannot properly attribute this. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I went back and watched it. And I was really surprised by how, like, how like directly how it much. was. I mean, the show itself, Gotcha Man, at least the first episode, felt a lot more like those really old Sentai shows like Ranger. Well, that makes sense. But, like you said, it's from the seventies, right? Right. Like they didn't have giant robots; they had vehicles. But like they were bird-themed, like science ninja superhero teams, and they were specifically like the hawk, the sparrow, the owl, the condor, and the swan. And like oh, they were even okay. kind of the same roles on the team, like vibes of the thing. All right, yeah. right on. So that okay, is well, why they cool. are the birds that they are. Okay, uh, I genuinely did not expect there to be like a, an actual answer to this. <laughs> I thought I was just going to kind of like goof on it for a second, but that is really interesting. There you uh, go. Okay, so let's actually talk about this episode now. So, so we, open we start up. off, yeah, Jet Garuda is on his back. Yeah, and uh, Jet Icarus is like, he is dismembered, like his arms have been cut off from the last episode. And we open up in Sky Camp, actually, in the big hangar where the Team Garuda and uh, Jetman are conducting repairs on their robots. By the way, we are going to continue calling them Team Garuda. Between episodes, I looked it up, and they are the Back Dimension Warriors. Yeah, that's a terrible um, because Team Garuda. Because like apparently, no their dimension. 
is the back dimension, and I don't know what that's supposed to mean. So we're just going to keep calling them Team Garuda because yeah. we've been, just for continuity's sake, for our personal continuity. So what we see is that the Chief is kind of despairing, actually, which is very weird because the Chief is normally, like, super gung-ho and, like, we'll do it and we'll win. But the Chief actually just says, like, she's like, we can't win. This is no good. Like, if this doesn't, like, if we don't change something, we cannot defeat the Virum. Yeah, like, it is a bad scene for them. Uh, right. We cut to them from there to the hangar bay where they are working on repairing Jet Icarus and Jet Garuda. Yeah, again, it's very weird to me that there are no mechanics. Right, like, like the Jetmen are in their mechanics jumpsuits, which I love. Yeah. Like, this would make, this would be a scene where it would make sense to be like, oh, like, the Jetmen maybe are overseeing everything that's happening, but there is, like, a support staff that's helping them. Nope, it's just the Jetmen with, like, welders, and they're, like, covered in grease. Like, I don't think the Jetmen actually have a support staff. Like, it's just them and the Chief. Well, Which seems almost impossible. Well, okay, that does seem impossible. But remember, in the very first episode, like, the JET program was part of the, um, uh, what was it? Uh, Earth Base know. One, the, the space station. Yeah, 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 right. And, like, most of the people on that space station got blown up. Well, yeah. Maybe not most, like but, like, been... a lot of them did. So it's very possible that their infrastructure has kind of fallen apart. Right. Or it's also possible that this show did not want to pay extras to wander <laughs> around with, like, you know, wrenches and stuff. That strikes me as, as more likely, but what else? So we see them, and they're in the hangar bay, and they're trying to fix these things. And to be clear, they are trying to repair Jet Icarus. Jet Icarus is made out of five rope, like five smaller things. They are not repairing their jet machines. They're repairing oh, yeah. <laughs> the combined giant robot, like putting the arm back on. Well, okay, that actually a little bit makes sense to me because, you know, the rope, the jet machines themselves, like, shift around and, like, change and, like, interchange some parts and stuff, and then they form Jet Icarus. So my assumption would be that you have to kind of fix Jet Icarus as he's configured before you could then, like, take the jet machines apart. You know what I mean? That makes sense. Yeah, that does make yeah. sense. And there is... uh. I mean, this show does a lot of miniatures work, and it's not always great, but I do really like it in this episode when they're in the hangar bay. They've got, like, chains that are, like, lifting I-beams up and down and stuff like that. They do a good yeah. job with the miniatures. It's pretty rad. So, Guy is super frustrated. He's like, this is useless. I don't know why we're bothering. Like, we can't do this. Like, we're going to lose. And I think it's Dan, or maybe it's the Chief. I forget who. But they're like, no, the only way we can win is if we fix both robots. Like, we need the power of both Jet Icarus and Jet Garuda to stand a chance. I like, think Jet it, I think it was bit. Ryu saying this, but yeah. Oh, yeah, prob that makes actually a lot more sense. Like, as I say these lines, it's like, yeah, that's something Ryu would say. But Guy uh, is kind of not to be consoled. He's like, this. it doesn't matter. It's hopeless. Like, we can't do it. And I was, I'll tell you, Dave, I was really hoping that Guy was going to take this opportunity to quit the team again because then I would have won. Because I said two and you said one and Guy doesn't quit in this episode. Oh, that's right. I had remembered that, but uh, I appreciate your honorable uh, honorable defeat. 
So, and then Dan, no, not Dan. who is, you're, you're, sorry. Ray. Ray, who is the, like, what is probably the, like, Red Ranger equivalent on Team Garuda? Yeah. Like, he steps in and says, okay, listen, here's the deal. Guy is right. Like, with what we are dealing with right now, with the tools that we have, we cannot win. But I think I know of another thing that we can try. And they say, we've got two robots. If we can make them work together, a new power will be born. And chief, and then the chief's like, a new power. Oh, yeah. So, like, obviously what we're going to get. I love right. that the logic in any Sentai show is like, okay, we've got all these robots. How do we make it better? Well, we just put them together. Like, we have five little, like, robots, and we put them together, and it be- makes one big robot. Okay, then we have two big robots. What if we put them together to make an even bigger robot? Like, bigger is always better in this show. <laughs> right. As though it's just, like, you, you're you like, oh, yeah. Like, they're just like Play-Doh. Like, just jam those guys together, and then you'll have a bigger lump of robot. Right, like, the... Like the <laughs> The best robot is always the robot with the highest mass. <laughs> and it's just, I like the conceit that like, oh yeah, well like we've got two robots and you just need, like it's not as though every robot needs to be redesigned completely from the ground up. Uh, like it's built into the structure of all robots that they can just combine with other robots. This, like this it's a software patch. Yeah, but exactly. You don't need to change the hardware at all. Um, this reaches a beautiful head in. Um, there's this one thing in Time Ranger. I only watched okay. the first like ten or twelve episodes of Time Ranger. It was very cool. But the like, okay. Do you mind if I take a brief Time Ranger digression before we get back into this episode? How could I say no? Okay, so in Time Ranger, the the idea of that show, the premise is that I'm going to leave a lot out. Sorry, Time Ranger fans, but the the premise is that four of the five Rangers are like cops from the future who have come to the past, of course, which is our present to stop a bunch of criminals who have also traveled into the past, like robo like monster criminals. Right? Awesome. Yeah, And, like, they team up with a guy from the present who is their Red Ranger. It's a very fun show. But they... Yeah, makes perfect like, sense so far. Like, time travel still works. They still have the capacity to t- travel through time, but they are not allowed to travel in time until they have solved the problem in the past. Oh. Uh, yeah, that, sound, that makes because sense. Because, like, if you, if you go back... Like, you need to solve this problem, and, like, we can't have you going back and forth because that's going to, like, mess up the time stream, so you have to stay in, like, the year 2000. Natch. But all of their, like, giant robots and stuff are in the future. They, and they get shot back through a p- time portal into the present, our present, which is now, you know, whatever. So that is how they get their stuff. It, like, it lives in the future, then it comes to visit them in the year 2000 and they fight a giant monster. That's pretty awesome, actually. But here's how they launch it down, like, the track into the time portal. Like, it's standing on the runway, and there's a gigantic, gigantic robot 
whose only function is to have a giant arm with which he like swings like a golf club and punches the like the other giant robots in the <laughs> butt and just like shoots them down the runway into a time portal so they could get to the year 2000 to like freeze dry monsters it's <laughs> So good. Like, just look up a clip sometime of no, like, I'm gonna do Time that. Ranger, like, getting their robots from the future. It's beautiful. I can't remember what this thing's name is, but it's like, you know, Gargantua Colossus or something. Yeah, like some appropriate name. Uh, okay, okay. So back to Chojin Sentai Jetman. Uh, we cut away from Sky Camp. We chop over the Virum dimension real quickly. And it looks like Semimaru is resting. And then Reddit gets like, yes, Semimaru, rest and recover. So like, Semimaru's having a nap. Uh, and then we go back to Sky Camp. Where Dan is hitting on Akko. Uh, you may remember that he has been like kind of perving on her since last episode. He has not stopped, and he's just like, "Hey, you and me, like this is gonna be pretty awesome, right?" And Akko just shuts him down. She's like, "No, like who are you? You're weird." And the like, literally, the first thing you did when we met was get super weird on me. So, so no, no, like we're not. This isn't happening. No, thank you, buddy. <laughs> and then I think it's Kana, who is uh, the lady the lady from uh, Team Garuda. She's like, ah, yes, like, okay, so this is how we'll integrate the robots. And I, <laughs> like, this is how we'll combine them, which just happens super quickly. Like, you would think that it would take just a little more effort. And I know we already talked about this, but I was still struck by it. Yeah, it's just like, oh, like, here's where they plug in. It's as though all of these robots are built on, like, USB technology that they can just, like, right. socket it into <laughs> anything else. And remember, yeah, giant robots Jet Garuda is from a different dimension. Like, this is not just a different lab who has also built a giant robot. Like, they are combining things cross-dimensionally with, uh, like, but it an does work afternoon's well. work. Uh, <laughs> so, so they're doing all this. Dan is looking around, and they're like, hey, Dan, like, maybe you could help out a little bit more. Uh, and Dan's like, oh, yeah, sure, like, I'll totally help. And then he sees a beam, like a big eye beam, and he, like drops it on himself or like he it looks like he drops it on itself i think what he actually does is he drops it just next to himself and acts as though it landed on him yeah uh and it turns out it's like it's just a ploy to get out of work like that's his whole plan he's like he's gonna pretend that he's injured and so we see them uh, team garuda and the Jetman, and they're in the infirmary and dan is like oh, oh i think my leg i think i'm gonna die like this is terrible and Team Garuda, again, like, I don't know what the structure of command is for Team Garuda, but his teammates are just like, yeah, like, you're probably fine. Like, you always do this. You always, like, play up your injuries to get out of doing stuff. But that's the end of it. Like, they don't actually call him on it and make him get back to work. They're just like, oh, Dan, you scamp. I guess you should just stay in bed. Yeah, and then they just leave. And it might be that those are the only three people left alive from their dimension. And so, like, you know, they've been through a lot together. So they're willing to let they're this stuff slide. They're just willing to put up with quite a bit. Um, <laughs> well, I guess that would make sense. So everyone goes to leave. And Dan sort of grabs Akko and says, like, oh, please, I'm dying. Will you stay with me? Uh, and it looks like Akko is about to leave because she's like, no, you're obviously like a faker and a super weirdo. But then it turns out she does stay. Uh, I don't I don't quite get it. So we see a few minutes later and 
we are in the sick bay, and Dan sort of looks up and is like, "Oh, where is everyone? Did they leave?" And Aqua says, "Oh yeah, like they've you know they're off doing actual work." And Guy just sits up. He's like, "Okay, it's just you and me. Great, awesome, like super lucky." And Aqua's like, "What are you even talking about?" Like, you were just faking your injuries to get out of work, weren't you? And he was like, hurry, come with me. It's important. Right. And she's like, "What? what's important? Like, we're fixing Jet Icarus. He's like, no, this is super important. Like, we have to leave right now. And then we see them on a motorcycle, and they're going someplace. And Akko is continuing to ask, like, why is, where are we even going? Like, everybody else is back here. And our giant robots do you remember Semimaru? Like, we need to deal with this. And Dan's like, no, 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 seriously, you'll see. It's super important. And then it's just them at a restaurant. And yeah. Dan is eating, like, spaghetti and a sandwich, which, whatever. And Aqua's like, was this, this was your important thing? You just wanted to get lunch? And he's like, yeah, you don't want to, like, fight on an empty, like, work or fight on an empty stomach. It's super important to get some food in you. Come on. And, yeah, like, Dan like, has okay. clearly just done this in, like, a very clumsy attempt to try to get Akko, like, on a date with him without realizing it. Yeah, so, like, I'm not going to say what I wrote in my notes because it's not polite, but, like, Dan's a real scumbag. Like, I, I dislike Dan on, like, a personal level. <laughs> like, just as a human being, I don't, well, I guess he's not a human being, but, like, I don't like Dan. Uh... Yeah, to this point, he has not done anything to endear himself to you. By the end of the episode, things sort of turn around, but... So they're at this restaurant, right? Right? And Okay, I got something to say about this restaurant. Uh, It's super chilled out. Like, there is no hint at all in the organization or running of this restaurant that would indicate that, like... Fully half of the city has been completely obliterated by Semimaru. Not, not 24 hours. Yeah, I'm going to say that day. Yeah, I mean, like, okay. Because normally, like, the monsters show up and they, like, fight and they wreck the city. And it's, like, it's a problem, obviously. But, you know, you kind of, this is the world you live in, you get on with it. But Semimaru is wreaking havoc on a scale that none of the other monsters have even touched. And plus, like, everyone knows he's still out there. Right, he didn't die. He's just disappearing. And everyone, they're just, like, chilling out at lunch. Not even, like, this is not, like, a post-apocalyptic, like, oh, we must, like, eat to survive, and then, like, you know, we'll figure this out. Everyone's just like, hey, Bob, how's it going? Like, not bad, just enjoying a hot cup of joe. (laughs) Like, they're just, like, they're super relaxed. Like, the waitress is very chipper. The restaurant is fine. Uh, Anyway, like... So as they're sitting there having lunch, Dan is like, listen, here's the deal. I'm a terrible mechanic. Like, I don't actually know how to fix Jet Garuda. So I could hang around there, but I would have just been in the way. And, like, do you know anything about being a mechanic? Because, I'm like, you probably don't either. It's better for everyone right. that we're just here. And Akko's like... And this is Akko, yeah. And Akko is like, well, yeah, you're kind of right. And I am hungry. Like, you hear her stomach rumble. So she orders some food. And then they start just sort of, like, sitting around and having lunch. Right. And Dan makes an observation. He's like, listen, hey, I've kind of noticed. Uh, you guys don't get along super well, yeah, do like you? Yeah, like, your team is, like, like, super messed up. 
<laughs> right. And I was like, oh, dang, did you guys notice that? Yeah, that is that is definitely a thing. And it's because they're all falling in love. Like, they're all in love with yeah, each like other. Yeah, like, everything was fine. And then they all fell in love with each other. And, like, it totally fell apart. Uh, and Dan says, well, like, well, how about you? Like, don't, you know, like, aren't you, are you part of that? And she says, oh, no, 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 no. Like, not me. Like, definitely not. And he says, like, well, do you have a boyfriend? And she says, no. And, and, it- and she goes in, like, she starts to go into her thing from last episode about how, like, she doesn't have a boyfriend because her standards are way too high. Uh, and Dan, he's like, what? Awesome. And he just, like, he jumps around the table and sits down next to her and says, like, I'll be your boyfriend. And Akko is cold as ice. She's like, no, what are you talking about? You will do no such thing. He's like, no, 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 it's great. Like, eat this food that is on my fork. And she's like, what? No. Did you not hear me just say that I have really high standards? Which is, again, like, dang, Akko. Right. Uh, So, we leave there and (laughs) we go back to Sky Camp and we see Kana. uh, And she is, she's at a keyboard and she is making... (laughs) The most perfunctory attempt at, like, fake typing I think I've literally ever seen. Like, she's not even moving her fingers individually. She's just got her hands in, like, the typing position, and she's just moving them both up and down in unison rhythmically, like, jamming on the keyboard. Um, And then just, like, strings of the same words are appearing, like, over and over and over again on the screen. Hey, man, maybe back-dimension technology is just, like, extremely weird. (laughs) So Ray walks Um, up, and they have this little moment, like, oh, like, we're gonna fight. Do you think that we can be happy here in this other dimension? Like, can we win? And now we get a little bit more... Like, it seems like there's some sort of romantic relationship between Rei and Kana. And Ryu comes over, and, like, he doesn't interrupt them, but you can see, he, like, he was coming over to, to give them some, like, some sort of drink. And he stops, and he's looking at them, and he kind of smiles warmly. And I think that he is... I think the idea is that he is remembering himself and Rie. Yeah, and, like, that's, that's the impression I got. In yeah, so this is like this sort of warm moment for Ryu, so that's pretty cool. Because like that is what he and Rie were supposed to be. They were supposed to like join like the jet program together and like be right. you know super cops in love, super team. Yeah, it was gonna be man. Like okay, it is much more dramatic, and I like the Jetman show, but I would love to have watched like Ryu and Rie super cops in love. Oh, I would also that watch been amazing. that show. Uh, okay, so we're done there, and we, oh, sorry, we go to Viram Dimension, and Semimaru is healed. Like, he has recovered from his injuries, and Radigat is, again, kind of, like, freaking out about how Semi, how great Semimaru is, and he says, go, like, wreak as much destruction as you want. Uh, and then we see Dan and Akko in the park, having a nap. Yeah, just sort of lying down on the job, literally lying down on the job. And Dan is yeah. looking up at the sky, he's like, wow, your sky here is so blue. Like, our sky used to be blue before the Viram came and, like, completely wrecked our entire dimension. Yeah, and so we get kind of a shot of the dimension, the back dimension, I guess, and uh, just to remind us that it is totally destroyed, that we come back in. And Dan explains, he says, listen, he says, our people weren't made for fighting. We have only half the life force that humans do. And Akko is like, wow, really? You only have half the life force? As though this is like a very understandable con. Like, 
Like, yeah, this is like a standard concept. Like, oh, yes. Like, our life force is at, like, whatever. And yours is at... It's it's as though she already lives in a world where people's power rankings are judged by, like, the DBZ, like, eyepiece. <laughs> well, okay. Actually, wait. Now, I just thought about something. The idea of, like, chi, ki, like, that people have, like, a life force is, I think, much more a part of, like, the Japanese conception of the world than it is for ours. So, yeah, but that man, actually I, I does make, make some sense. Okay, first of all, I think that's true. Second of all, if that's not true, I'm sorry. Like, I know about Japan via TV shows, not via, oh, like... Oh, yeah, that's a, good, that's a good disclaimer slash apology to get in um, there. But also, like, I'm not exactly sure that's what he's talking about. It felt more like he was saying, like, biologically, we are just weaker than humans. Yeah, I, again, like, we're seeing this whole thing anyway. in translation. So, like, who really knows? But Akko is, like, 100%. She's like, oh, yeah, of course. Half so he says, and got that it. is why we built Jet Garuda. Like... We constructed him because we, as people, are not really suited to fighting, so we made machines. Yeah. But then he also says, that's also why we figured out how to transform. And Akko was like, what? You guys transformed too? Like, no way. That's awesome. And Dan is like, yeah, it is awesome. <laughs> it's super cool. And then, so he takes a... And then he stops that conversation completely. Uh, because apparently being a jet man from any dimension means you don't know how to like talk about your feelings. What he does is he picks up a flower and he turns it, he like puts it on her finger and turns it into like a little flower ring. Thing. Yeah, like he wraps the stem of the flower around her finger. Yeah. And Aqua's like, oh, well, that was nice of you to do. And he says, now you put a flower on my finger. And immediately Aqua is suspicious. And it turns out rightfully so. Because she says, wait, why like, you know, why would I do this thing? Do, I guess, why would I do that? And he says, oh, well, in my dimension, that's how people declare their love for each other. <laughs> and Akko's like, oh, well, in that case, I'm definitely yeah, not, no, doing I'm it. not doing that, you idiot. <laughs> and then Sumimaru appears. Yeah, and then Sumimaru appears and starts stepping all over the city. Uh, which is good, because we jump over to Sky Camp, and we find out that the repairs are done just in well, time. the repairs Hooray. are done on Jet Icarus. Oh, yeah, that's Jet right. Garuda Jet Garuda is still, like, still... rebooting, basically. Yeah. Well, I'm assuming that they're doing the software patch to allow them to combine. No, literally, that is what they're doing. Takes. Like, yeah, that's what the episode, like, like, oh, like, the, the program is almost uploaded. So, uh, we jump over and semi, like, to the city. Semimaru is raging out, like, he's knocking over buildings, etc., etc., so, uh, while Sibimaru is raging out, the Jetmen have, like, formed Jet Hawken, and they're on their way to the sea. So they arrive, and they're like, Akko, you like, you join up with us, Dan, you gotta get back to the base to hook up with the rest of Team Garuda, and, like, we'll get this thing sorted out. So, Akko kind of beams up into Jet Hawken, they form Jet Icarus, we flash back to Jet Skycamp, and they're saying, like, Jet Garuda is almost ready. Like, we're working on it. And Dan arrives, and, we and so like they're all like they're yeah. all there, they're all ready to go. Now it is time. Yeah. So we flash back to Jet Icarus, who has joined the fight with Semimaru, uh, and they pull out Jet Lancer, which is like their big polearm thing, which is a really good idea because I feel like keeping as much distance between themselves and Semimaru as they can is uh, is probably wise. Yes, because this fight. Like, it's going a little better than it did last time, just because they know how yeah, dangerous Semimaru is. 
Yeah, they were definitely they were definitely overconfident the first time. But they're still not winning by any means. Yeah. Well, they they try to they hit him with Jet Lancer and he just catches it and just kicks him. And then we we flash kind of into the cockpit and they're like, "Dude, we cannot win with just Jet Icarus." Like clearly. Like we thought maybe we, you know, we could do it like but like we got to get Jet Garuda here. We go back to Sky Camp, and they're like, Jekarud is good. Like, let's do it. And Rie and uh, Ray, sorry, Ray and Connor are like, this is awesome. We're going to beat Simimaru. We'll start new lives. Like, this is going to be great. We'll finally so be happy. They, now is the day. Everything is looking great for us. We're two weeks until retirement. Right. So you know where this is going. So they launch Garuda off of the top of Sky Camp. They're flying to join the fight. And Radigat appears in, like, a phantom face in the sky and he like spits a sword out of his mouth like teleports inside of the cockpit of jet garuda and just stabs ray right in the chest like it is almost as though the sword teleports into his chest that's just what i was gonna say like it doesn't even stab him it's just there uh, so Ray dies, basically, like, immediately. Uh, Jet Garuda crashes. Uh, and Dan and Kana, Kana are sort of thrown from the vehicle. Yeah, I'm not really sure, like, how that happens, because, like, the glass protecting the cockpit uh, is still intact. So, like, I don't know how they get thrown out, but they do. And then Radigat comes around the corner of the quarry where they are, and he's got Ray for some reason. Right. He is now there. He's no longer phantom face in the sky. He is now there, and he has Ray. Like, Dan sort of looks over and I think tries to get to her, but then Radigat just, like, throws her away and shoots her with some explosion beam. And she goes flying. Yeah. She's on the ground. She's trying to, like, crawl to Ray's, like, probably dead by dead now outs- body. Yeah. So yeah, so Kana and Ray are both dead. Dan is sort of like stretched out. And now this is, I did not see this coming. Radigat jumps in Jack Garuda. And he's just like, ah, I know how to work this thing. I don't know how he knows, but he knows. So he just pilots Jet Garuda over to where Semimaru is fighting Jet Icarus. Um, we get a really cool shot of, of Semimaru literally throwing Jet Icarus through a mountain, which is pretty rad. And then they're like, oh, great, Jet Garuda is here. And then Jet Garuda attacks them. Like, this is the best. And they're like, wait, <laughs> right. what is happening? And they look on their view screen and they see Radigat in the cockpit of Jet Garuda. And he says, like, Jetman, your friends are waiting for you in hell. <laughs> it's awesome. So they're fighting. Da- we go back to Dan. Dan kind of like manages to like get himself up. He looks over and sees that Ray and Kana are and dead. And not only are they dead, but as Kana was dying, she was trying to crawl to Ray's body. And like her outstretched hand is like a few inches away from his outstretched hand. So like they didn't even manage that. Yeah, it's a rough And moment. so Dan uh, goes, like, Dan rages out. And this is yeah, where he stuff nuts. gets great. So, he transforms. Uh, first of all, yeah, Team let's Garuda talk, transforms. Yeah, let's talk about his transformation. Looks like a million times cooler than the Jetman. Well, I don't know about cooler. He's got, 
Like, it's definitely... Because, like, the Jetmen have a very slick look, right? Like... Yeah. Like, the Team Garuda transformation is very, like, ornate. He's wearing, like, this giant bird headdress with, like, this sort of feathered crest that comes off the top. Yeah, he has a big elaborate feathered... Okay, you know what he looks like? He looks like Mega, like a Mega Man villain that's like Hawkman. Like, that's what Dan, that's what they look like. Yeah. Like, does that make sense? Yes, very much so. Like, this sort of, like, futuristic... Like, sort of, like, rounded, but, like, techno-robot bird thing. Yeah, it looks super So, like, he doesn't hit a button or anything to transform. He's just, like, running, and there's a flash of light, and then he is transformed, and then he jumps off a cliff and starts flying towards the action. Yeah, it's freaking rad. Uh, So we see Jet Garuda and Simimaru are, like, tag-teaming, beating on Jet Icarus. Like, they're just kind of, like, taking turns punching him. Dan arrives, and, like... Gets into Jet Garuda somehow. Maybe just like teleports in. Like they maybe they have like a similar beamy thing to Jet. Maybe he's just you know it's his thing. He knows where the hatches are. Right. So he jumps in and just starts attacking Radigan. Okay. He has some sort of sword. This is so great because it's like in that one episode of uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers slash Zoo Ranger when Tommy first shows up and like breaks down the back door of the like control center in the power or the, the megazord and just starts attacking everyone like it's that he kicks down the door and he's like aha i'm here and Radigate was not expecting it and there's this big fight and what's awesome is they're fighting in the cockpit but then the fight spills out into like the insides the like the hallways of, of, yeah, of jet, jet garuda. garuda and this is maybe the only time we ever see the interior of one of these robots like this yeah, it's super it's cool. Great. It's uh, like it's such a yeah. I remember when I was watching it for the first time and they go out into the hallway. I was just like I mean listen, it's a hallway. It's not like super like right, cool. yeah. Like it's not an amazing but hallway. Just the but... fact that like they gave you a moment to like in the guts of the robot, I thought was so great. Yeah. Uh unfortunately what is not great is the way that this fight is going for Dan, because he is not a match for Radigat, like at all. No, even in his transformed uh, this form, fight like, is, he is not doing well. Yeah, like, Radigan is basically taking him apart. Uh, so, you know, Radigan has this, like, big sword. So he stabs Dan, but Dan, in the coolest thing he's probably <laughs> ever done, like, kind of, like, jams the sword further into himself so he can get closer to Radigan, and then he breathes fire on him. Yes, he spits hot not- fire on this dude. Yeah! Like, I feel like that should have been his opening move, like, lead with burning fire breath. Uh, but it's effective. It's super and effective. So Radigan, yeah, it's super effective. So Radigan is like, ah, like, I'm burned. He's like, well, that was, and it was enough at least to send him packing for a little bit. Because Radigan fades out. Like, he goes back to Fire Room Dimension. So Dan now is sort of, like, untransformed. He's back in his standard form. And he shouts to the Jetman, like, Now! Like, do it! Combine! Right. Uh, (laughs) Like, they're about to do... And so they're like, Great Scramble! Is the name of their combination thing. It looks awesome. Because it started... Basically, it starts off with um, Jet Garuda and Jet Icarus giving each other a huge high five. (laughs) <laughs> or specifically, and then they the, the, stand specifically like... the high five they give each other is 
You know, in Predator, where uh, Schwarzenegger finds Carl Weathers and it's like, what's the matter, Dylan? They got you pushing too many pencils. And they do that, like, hand clasp sort of thing. It's that. Yeah. Like, it's not an overhand five. It's sort of like a side underhand five. Yeah. So they do that. And then they kind of stand, like... They're uh, one behind the other, but they're both facing the same direction. And then, like, you know, uh, Jet Icarus's arms, like, fold back. And Jet Garuda, like, his arms pop forward. And the chest comes up over. Um, Basically, what we get is Jet Icarus forms, like, the core. And then he kind of wears Jet Garuda as, like, a supplementary power armor. Yeah, Yeah, like his human head is wearing uh, the uh, Jet Garuda's like bird head as a big bird helmet. As like a helmet thing. thing. Yeah, it's it's pretty. This is great. Uh, And so that is called. Yeah. And so so they formed Great Icarus. Akko runs back to where Dan is, who is in his sort of like human form. And she's like, Dan, you must be strong. Like you'll survive. And Dan, in the second coolest thing he's ever done in his entire life, is like, idiot, the fight's not over. Like, I, we'll deal with this later, but you need to go kill right, So Simimaru. she grabs Dan and sort of, like, limps him back to the cockpit. And the fight now has turned around because Great Icarus is an unstoppable giant robot. Right. Uh, there is a pretty glorious moment where <laughs> so the semi Mario costume is pretty big and there's like a little tussle and you see underneath like just the boot of whoever is wearing the semi Mario costume like under semi Mario's foot see that yeah and then there's a moment where Jet Icarus picks up semi Mario and is like spinning him around and as soon as he did it's like I'm watching again because I'm pretty sure I saw a dude's boot and if you look you can just see the dude's boot inside <laughs> of the semi Mario costume it's pretty great <laughs> I don't so, know why I was so tickled by that like obviously it's a real person in there but I got a kick to the fact that you could just see his like size 12 <laughs> with like tread so and everything Semi Mario uh, starts to fly around and he tries to like ram into Great Icarus but Great Icarus just catches him uses the momentum that he had by flying and just chucks him into like a building or a mountain or whatever yeah, it's a mountain. Uh, so they do Great Beam, which is like, it's like Jet Garuda's chest beam that he shot, but chest his chest emblem is now part of the helmet that's on Great Icarus. And so it's like this beam that shoots out of his forehead, and uh, he kind of blasts Semimaru. And then they open up with their, like, super attack, which is called Bird Mazer. Now, okay, I don't know why it's called Bird Mazer. Here is my I only no guess, idea. and it has to do with how the words sound when you say that when a Japanese person says them, because they don't say bird. Okay, they don't say shoot. bird maser. They say like bird maser, right? And so it kind oh, of okay. like if they they take that sort of like ah sound at the end of that they put at the end of bird, and sort of strap it to and the then... beginning of maser. So it's like bird maser. Maybe? Like, it's amazing? That is, I mean, I've been trying to figure this out for a long time. Listeners, if you have any idea why it's called this, and yeah, we'll like, let us know. Here, like, but that is my only knows. guess. 
Okay, so what Bird Mazer is, is that, like, they're, and Sammy Mario is staggered, and they sort of, like, pound their fists together. I'm sorry, Je- Great Icarus pounds his fists together and then stretches them out, and there's, like, blue and red lightning shooting between his fists, right? And then he kind of, like, points his fists out, and the lightning turns into a... It's, it's a giant Venn diagram. Like, it's a giant explosive Venn diagram that you see appears, like, over Semimaru, and then there's a huge explosion, and then Semimaru is, uh, is no more. And I'll tell you, Radigate, we cut to vet, uh, the Virum dimension, Radigate is bumming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's Like, he falls upset. to his knees and like, throws no. his hands up and is shouting, like, no, my beautiful <laughs> Semimaru. And then the rest of the Virum commanders just laugh at him and walk away. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, not that I think we were expecting a lot of, like, companion support feelings from them. No, I'm sure those guys are like, all super excited. Loser. Yeah, and then they just leave, which is great. So we go down to the quarry. Dan is dying, like, obviously. Right. And Akko's like, oh, no, like, Dan, you're dying. And Dan is like, yeah, but but I, I sure looked cool in the end, didn't I? And Uncle's like, yeah, you, you looked really cool. And, he, and, 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 and to be fair to Dan, him. he looked super cool. He did look super cool. Uh, so Akko looks over and she sees some flowers and she makes a little ring and she puts the ring on, the flower ring on Dan's finger, which is a little like, like I get it, Akko, uh, but you know, He's dying, so your commitment doesn't mean okay, much that's true. at this point. Uh, but he said he looks down. He's like, "Oh, I'm so lucky," and he smiles. And then Dan dies. Right, and then Dan dies, and that's the end of the episode. That's pretty. I mean, yeah, we that's see it. like the rest of the Jetmen being either like sad or angry about it, and then we get a little narrator. Like it's kind of funny because then it cuts Voice to a narrator over. telling you how great like the great Icarus is. And it just feels like... It's like, dude, we just saw Beats yeah, of like, Dan has just died. It's it. very sad. Now here's this brand new toy that you can purchase. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly Like, what you can is. totally combine uh, it with your to, other toys and in your Jetman playsets. Yeah, in that narrative's defense, Je- Great Icarus is Oh, pretty yeah, good. dude. It's... Well, it's, it is amazing. It is bird amazing. <laughs> so, Dave... <laughs> That is the end of this year episode. What is your high point? Yeah. Dang. Uh, I think my high point is just how cool Team Garuda looked when they were transformed. Like, they just looked really it's a, rad. It is a hot look. I would, I would almost recommend checking it out. Oh, I will definitely recommend checking it out. Yeah, they, they just look super cool. Um, and what is your low point? Uh... I think my low point maybe is just that, like, Dan is kind of awful in the first half of this episode. Yeah. Like, I just really... Which, I mean, like, I get the narrative arc. Like, he's kind of terrible, and then, like, something happens, and he sort of redeems himself, and then he dies. Uh, but I was just like, wow, you're really kind of detestable, aren't you? Uh, so I didn't like Dan at the beginning. I, I mean, like, I'm kind of picking at straws here. This is a yeah, pretty Yeah, it is episode. a very strong uh, three-parter. Yeah. Uh, how about you, man? I mean, the high point of my, this episode for me has to be when Dan transforms like, and fights Radigat inside the hallways of Jet Garuda. It's, like, yeah. it's such oh, a unique super cool. moment, not just in this like season, but I think in Super Sentai. 
Like I was listening to an interview with, um, oh gosh, what's his name? I can't remember at all. I feel sort of embarrassed. Uh, the guy who is currently writing the new Power Rangers comic book. And he was saying that like oh, one sure. thing that you never got to see in Power Rangers was the interior of the like the giant robots and in here you actually get to see it and it's so great and like added to that the fact that like dan turns into like a bird dude and blows like fireballs in radigate's face it's great yeah that's pretty rad uh low point for this episode okay it's a very small thing and it could have also been my low point last week so i'm just sort of throwing it in now i'm gonna say again this is a really good episode so we've talked about how good team garuda looks when they're transformed when Team Garuda yeah. isn't transformed, it's really obvious that those are characters that are not going to last more than a few episodes because their costumes are garbage. Like, particularly... Yeah, not only do they like, look just, dumb, they're really, like, Yeah, like, they have made. these big shoulder pads, but, like, they don't fit, and they're not made out of anything substantial. So when you see them running, like, the shoulder pads are just, like, flopping everywhere in this really comical <laughs> way. Yeah, and especially we see we when Dan's like super mad and he's about to transform, he's running so in slow just motion. Like beautiful, and so you flop. just see the shoulder pad, right, sort of lazily drifting in the breeze. It looks now, really okay. Stupid. Now, uh, normally at this point, I would say that'll do it for this episode of Jetman. But I want to remind you of one thing before we finish up here: is that sure. Dan dies in this episode, right? This is about halfway. Yeah. Th- we're about halfway through Jetman. Following Jetman, we get Uh Zhu Ranger. And Dan is not... I mean, obviously, this character Dan isn't back. But the actor is back playing another, like, blue hero named Dan in, like, six months. Which I imagine, like, if I was a kid and watching these shows as they were coming out, would have completely blown my mind. Huh. Yeah, that's a really good point. Because the character is pretty similar as well. Like, we don't get a ton of the oh, character yeah? of Dan huh. in this, but, like, you know, he's the sort of young guy who jokes around. Like, Dan and Boy sort of both have that role kind of in Zhu Ranger. But, like, the Dan of this show and Got the it. Dan of Zhu Ranger are kind of similar, like, personality-wise. You know, I figure if you were like a kid watching Super Sentai, it's got to just be part of your universe that, like, the shows are the shows and they're not connected. Because, yeah. like, they're just very obviously I mean, not until connected. until they are connected. Because eventually they start doing, like, crossover Well, yeah, that's true. Stuff. But this was, I think, a yeah. few years before Which, that uh, you happened. Know. But in just, like, Way to there's this the whole continuity. thing. Like, I, I sort of want to try to figure out, like, Crisis on Infinite Dan's. Like, how this all works together. <laughs> but anyway, I just wanted to bring that up before Listen, we finish man. the episode. That sounds like uh, that sounds like a real dangerous rabbit hole. I'm not gonna lie. But do you have anything else? No, man. I'm tapped. Okay. In that case, that is going to do it for another episode of the Jetman with the Golden Gun. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all: you can email the show at supersentaibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to give me updates on future episodes or check out what we're talking about on Twitter, um, earlier this week I was complaining about a loaf of bread that I bought that had a bunch of holes in it. That was terrible. So if you want to see like fun stuff like that, check us out on Twitter. We're at Super Sentai Brothers. Or Super Sentai Bros, rather. If you like the show, please remember, shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. That's what's going to help new people find the show. Thank you if you've done that. The Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>